probably recognize the passage of scripture that we read this morning from the story of Gideon. And the story of Gideon in the book of Judges is an exciting story. It's a, it's a time when the hand of the Midianites, the Bible says, prevailed against Israel. You don't need to turn back to it, but I want to read a verse from Judges chapter 6, verse 4, where the Bible says, And they, the Midianites, encamped, encamped against them, the Israelites, and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. And so here was the people, because of the Israelites' disobedience to God, because of the Israelites turning away from God and worshiping false gods, here was the people, the Midianites, who God had raised up against his nation to bring his judgment upon his people. And it was about time the people had repented, God's people had repented, and it was, it was time for God to raise up a deliverer. If you read the book of Judges, you find this cycle six or seven different times. The people of God sinned. God sent a, 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 a nation to subject them to his punishment. And then God's people repented, and then God raised up a judge, a deliverer, to free his people. And so his people had repented, and God needed somebody to lead the Israelites in their fight against Midian. And, and God called Gideon. Now, Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. He was, by his own testimony, from a poor family, the least in his father's house. And he did not think, Gideon did not think that he was the man for the job. And so God had to convince Gideon uh, that he was indeed called of God, and he could indeed lead the Israelites to defeat the Midianites. And so God sent Midian, several signs. You remember an angel visit Gideon uh, with the call. And before the angel left, Gideon said, well, let me fix you something to eat. And he made some, some cakes and, and different things. And the angel said, put it on, a, on, on the rock. And uh, Gideon put the things that he had made, some meat and some cakes on the rock. And fire came up out of that rock to consume that food that Gideon had made for the angel. A sign from God that his call was real. A sign from God that Gideon was the man to lead the Israelites. He still wasn't convinced. And so he asked God for another sign. He said, God, if I'm really the one that you want to lead your people, I'm going to put a piece of fleece out tonight. Have the fleece be wet. When I get up in the morning, have the fleece be wet with dew and all the ground dry around it. And so Gideon got up the next morning, he picked up the fleece. The Bible says he wrung a bowl full of water out of the fleece and the ground was dry around it. He still wasn't convinced, so he asked God the next night, could you just do the reverse? Could you make fleece, the fleece dry and the ground wet with dew? God always does more than we ask. I think when Gideon got up the next morning, the ground was not only wet, it was muddy. It was so wet. And the fleece was bone dry. Gideon still wasn't convinced. And so God let him hear about a dream that, the, that a Midianite soldier had about a barley cake that went tumbling down a hill and, 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 uh, and knocked down a Midianite tent. And Gideon heard the two Midianites talking. He says, one said to the other, what do you think this dream means? 
And the other Midianite soldier said, well, that barley cake is Gideon. God's going to use him to destroy us. And so Gideon was finally convinced the call of God in my life to lead the Israelites must be true. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and raise an army. And so he sent out a call uh, to raise an army. And the Bible says that 32,000 men came together. Now, 32,000 may seem like a big number, but I want you to compare it to what the Bible says about the Midianites. The Bible says the Midianites came with the Amalekites and the children of the east, and they were a great host. And they lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitudes. Their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside, the multitude. Again, Gideon called 32,000 soldiers showed up, but the Midianites were camped in the valley, looked like a horde of grasshoppers. They had so many camels that you couldn't count them. And, God's, and, and the Bible says they were like the sand of the sea. There were so many of them. So here was Gideon, just recently convinced that God wanted him to lead the army. He calls, 32,000 men show up, and he goes up against this vast army of Midianites. But not yet. God said, Gideon, just a minute. Stop. You got too many men. I'm sure Gideon must have said, God, what do you mean I got too many men? I got 32,000. Look at the horde of Midianites. There's so many of them I can't even count them. They can't be counted. What do you mean I got too many men? God says you got too many men. If you do it with 32,000 men, you're going you're gonna win to the, win the battle and you think you're gonna do it. you've done it with your own hand. I want you to call the whole army together, all 32,000 of them. Tell them if there's any, anybody afraid to go home. Gideon said, okay. Reluctantly, I think he said, okay. He called the army together. He said, if any of you are scared, God says, go home. 22,000 soldiers left. I can just see Gideon, his head down. Oh, no. We were beat before. Now we're 22,000 men gone. If you do the math, 22,000 from 32,000, he had 10,000 left. Said we were, we, we were outnumbered by a large, the odds were against us before, now it's even worse. But God wasn't done yet. He came back to Gideon and says, Gideon, you still got too, too many men. What do you mean, too many men? I only got 10,000. I'm going up this hor- against this horde of Midianites, and you think 10,000 are too many? God said, too many. Send them down to the creek. Now, that's not in the Bible. It just says, send them down to the water. But uh, in honor of Brother Clyde, my main hillbilly, I put creek in my message this morning. He said, send them down to the creek and watch how they drink. If they get down on their knees and lap like a dog, put them in one group. And if they bend down and take their hand and put their, bring the water up to their mouth like this, put them into another group. 9,700 of them got down on their knees and lapped like a dog. 300 put the water in their hands and brought it up to their mouth. God said, Gideon? Gideon said, you don't even have to tell me. Send the 97 home, I'll keep the 300. That's exactly what God said. Send the 97 home, keep the 300, and they're going to be your army to fight against this vast horde of Midianites. Here's what you do. 
Here's what God said. Divide the, the, the 300 men into three companies. 100 men in each company. Give every man a trumpet and a lamp and an empty pitcher. Have, the, have them light their lamps and put the pitcher over the lamps to cover them. And hold the trumpet. And come against the Midianites at the beginning of the middle watch. That was about midnight. When they just changed the guard. When I give you the signal, I want you to command the army, the 300 men, to blow the trumpets. I want you to command them to break the pitcher and hold their lamps high. And then I want you to shout out. I want everybody in the army to shout out this message. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, I want you to notice, I want you to know something before I get, go on. In this day, armies did not fight at night. I mean, very rarely were you reading the Bible about two armies going to war at night. It just wasn't done back in that day. Back in this day, there were very few men in the army that carried lamps. There were a few, but not many, that carried lamps. And there were fewer still that carried trumpets. Usually there was only a handful that carried trumpets. They were stationed near the leader of the army to blow the alarm, to blow the attack, to blow different signals to the army. And so here it was, midnight. The Midianite guard has, had just changed. They're camped out in this valley like a horde of grasshoppers. They're camels, so, so many that they couldn't be numbered. The army, like the sand uh, 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 on the beach, they couldn't be counted. And at midnight... They hear this sound of pitchers breaking. They see these lamps upheld. They hear 300 trumpets blowing at one time. And then they hear these 300 men shout, The sword of the Lord and Gideon! We read in verse 21 the results of, that, uh, 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 of those actions. The Bible says, And all the host ran and cried... And fled. I mean, the Midianites probably outnumbered the Israelites by a thousand to one. I mean, they, they, the Israelites had three, 300 men. The Midianites probably had over 300,000, if not more than that. And yet, when they, in the middle of the night, when they heard the trumpets blow, when they heard the pitchers break, when they saw the lamps, they thought they were being attacked by a mass of Israel, Israelite soldiers. And so they basically surrendered and tucked tail and ran and fled and cried as they ran. The nation of Israel won, won the battle and their glory was restored. The Midianite rule, the Midianite domination was overthrown and the, and the glory returned to the nation of Israel and God won a great victory that night because the Israelites were obedient. There's some people today that have given up hope. They think the battle's lost. They think Satan is winning the war. They think that the people of God and the church of God might as well surrender, throw up the white flag, and walk away from the battle. I'm sure there were many in Gideon's army, those 300 men that were left, that thought the same thing. They thought, we haven't got a chance there's no way 300 men can, can, can defeat this great army of the Midianites. But what they found out, 
And what we need to remember today is that God has not changed. Our God is still omnipotent. Our God is still all-powerful. Our God still sits on the throne. His hand is not shortened. He can do, still do the things that men think impossible. God has not changed. God is looking today for a people like he found in those 300 men that made up Gideon's army. People that will trust him. People that will be obedient. People that are willing to fight the good fight. And my message this morning to you all is that the battle is not over. The war is not over. Victory is, it, 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 it can still be won if we are willing to do what the men in Gideon's army did that night in that battle. So that's my introduction. I have three points this morning. I want you to notice from verse 21 the three things that these people did. Three things that we need to do today. I want you to notice, first of all, every man. It says in verse 21, and they stood every man in his place. Every man. Not some men in the army. Not a majority of men in the army. Every man. All 300. Every soldier in Gideon's army. I will remind you this morning, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is not just sitting around and watching other people fight the war. God calls and God expects everyone, everyone, everyone to participate. The war will not be won with some in the army. The war will not be won with the majority in the army participating. The war will be won only when every person, every man, and I use that in a generic sense, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that names the name of Christ, when every man joins the fight. It's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's not just the deacons and trustees. It's not just the Sunday school teachers. It's not just the ones that sing in the choir, the one that plays the instruments, the ones that usher, the ones that hold responsibilities in the church. Every one, every one, every one is required if the war is to be won. So notice, first of all, every man. Notice, second of all, Stood. And they stood, every man in his place. They stood. They didn't back down. They could see that they were vastly outnumbered. They could see that the odds were against them. They could see that, according to human wisdom, they had no hope of winning that war. But they didn't quit. They didn't shrink back. They stood. They stood. I want to tell you this morning, God needs us to stand today. He needs Christians to stand today. Look, been a law of the land a long time. I want to tell you something this morning. Abortion is still murder. It's still murder. I want to tell you something else this morning. Homosexuality is still an abomination to God. It's still an abomination. Right is still right. Wrong is still wrong. Sin is still sin. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. 
It doesn't matter what Congress says. It doesn't matter what the president says. It doesn't matter what the ACLU says. What matters is what God said. And what God said is written down and it's not going to change. This book was written before the foundation of the earth was laid. God already had it written down. And it it, it has existed and will exist for all time. And it will not change. It won't change. Because God doesn't change. I am the Lord, he says. I change not. And if the battle is to be won, we need to stand. And then I want you to notice number three. In his place. And they stood, every man in his place. Every soldier had an assigned spot. Every soldier stood in that place. I'll tell you this morning, each of us have a place in God's army. Our places are different. I can't serve in your place. You can't serve in my place. I can't stand in your place, but I can stand in my place. Uh, And that's what God wants us to do. Stand in the place that he has assigned us. Look, God has built this body. He's built this church. It consists of many members. The Bible talks about it. Each of us have different abilities, different talents, different capabilities. And when everybody does what God has called them to do, when they stand in their place, then God can come, move in the midst, and win a great victory. I mean, that's what, that's what happened that night. You think 300 men with a lamp and, 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 and a trumpet defeated that enemy? No, it was God. It was God that drove the Midianites away. It was God that caused them to flee. It was God that won the victory, and he won it because he had 300 men that stood in their place and did exactly what God told them to do. Amen. I'm sure some of those soldiers might have been scratching their head and say, this doesn't make any sense. Blowing a trumpet, breaking a pitcher, holding the light. We're going up against this vast number and we expect to win. But they were obedient. They didn't question God. They didn't argue with God. They said, yes, sir, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I may not understand it. I may not see how it's going to work. But I'll trust you that you know what you're doing. And God expects the same of us today. He expects every person, every man to stand in the place that he's assigned us to stand. I want you to notice, if you thought I was done with three points, I got a surprise for you. I'm not done yet. I want you to notice what they did as they stood. First of all, they blew the trumpet and they shouted the word that God told them to shout. They tooted with that trumpet and then they shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. We too have a word from the Lord that he wants us to shout We need to blow the trumpet. We need to get people's attention. And then we have a word from God that he's given us to shout to this world. The world that he's given us to shout is that we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He wants us to shout that there's a penalty associated with that sin. And that penalty is to be separated from our creator. That penalty is to be separated from the God who made us. He wants us to blow the trumpet, get people's attention, and shout that Jesus Christ paid what we owed. He paid the penalty. 
He paid the price of sin. On Calvary's cross, God laid on his only begotten son the sin of every sinner. The sin of every sinner. Not my sin in part, but my sin in whole was laid on the son of God. And he paid the price for the sin of every sinner. And because Jesus paid that price, God can offer to all the gift of life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God, the message that God wants us to shout, shout it from the rooftops. Shout it in every street. Shout it in every neighborhood. Shout it every place that we go. If you come, if you come and receive that gift. God will save you from the penalty of your sin. Justify you in his sight. Give you a home in heaven. We need to blow the trumpet. We need to get people's attention. We need to shout the word of the Lord. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man cometh to the Father but by him. So they blew the trumpet. They shouted the message that God gave them to shout. And then second, they let their light shine. They let it shine. That light that was hidden under a pitcher for a while, when they broke that pitcher, that light shone. We sing that little song sometimes in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. We can't afford to hide our lights under bushels today. The world needs to see the light of the gospel. The world needs to see the light of a Christian who lives for Christ, who lives in victory. Yeah, it, it, it may look like Satan's winning. It may look like the tide is turning against Christianity. But I don't believe God's done yet. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I still believe that God can win a great victory. I still believe that God can send a great revival. I still believe that the glory of America as one nation under God can be restored. But it's only if every man stands in their place. Every man stands in their place and shouts the message of the gospel and lets their light shine. Is God going to send that revival? Is God going to give that victory? Most here this morning are Christians. You have been assigned a place by God. Don't care how old you are. Don't care how young you are. You're somewhere in the middle. You have been assigned a place by God. You need to stand in that place. Not some of us. Not the majority of us. Every single one of us need to stand in that place. We need to blow the trumpet. We need to shout the message of the gospel. And we need to let our light shine. There's some here this morning that you're not part of God's army because you've never come to the Savior. The message that we shout is a message for you. You're a sinner. Say, preacher, you don't even know me. I don't care. I'm just just telling you what this book says. This book says that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We compare ourselves to one another. We may look pretty good, but when we compare ourselves to the glory of God, when we compare ourselves to the Son of God, we all come up short. The message that we shout is a message for you. There's a penalty for that sin. Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the price. He paid what we owe. If you'll come to him, 
he'll save you. Brother John testified before he sang about being so glad that he's a Christian. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. We sang a little chorus in Sunday school. It's the best thing I know to be a Christian, to be part of God's family. I invite you to come this morning and join that family. Join it. Only get into it through Jesus Christ. He's the way. No other way to the Father but by him. Would you do that this morning if you're here? Can't think of a better day than the last day in August, 2015, than to come to Christ, receive him as your Savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the message, the challenge that it conveys. Thank you for the mercy and the grace that it tells us about mercy and grace that sent your son to Calvary's cross to die in our place. I pray for those that might be here this morning that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior, never believed in their heart that he died for them. I pray, Father, that you'd help them see their sin, help them see the penalty for that sin, help them come to the one that paid the price for their sin and received the gift that he purchased for them on Calvary. And then, Father, I pray for the many Christians. Help us stand in our place, every one of us. Help us stand in the place that you've assigned and shout the message. Let our light shine. Bless this time of invitation, Father. Use it to build your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.